In the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, Amen. Thank you, welcome you, you all to our Perseverance Family Conversation today. And as always, it's great to be with all of you. And we always like to start off our conversation by inviting Mary to be with us. Mary is the mother of God. Mary is the mother of the church. And Mary is the mother of each and every one of us. We also invoke Mary in that beautiful prayer that we we call the Hail Holy Queen. We invoke Mary as our life, our sweetness, and our hope. Our life, our sweetness, and our hope. So let's lift up our minds and our hearts to Mary, who is the mother of God, the mother of the church, and the mother of each and every one of us. Let's pray the prayer that she loves most. And that prayer is the Hail Mary. Together. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for our sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Now let's invite to be with us our spiritual director. Our spiritual director. Our spiritual director is the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit has many wonderful names. The Holy Spirit is the paraclete. The Holy Spirit is the gift of gifts. Holy Spirit is the sweet guest of our souls. The Holy Spirit is our counselor. Holy Spirit is also our consoler. Holy Spirit He's also known as our interior master. Our interior master. That's right. St. Paul reminds us in these words, we don't know how to pray as we ought. But good news. The Holy Spirit intercedes with ineffable groans so that we can say Abba Abba which means Daddy or Father. So let's 
turn to the Holy Spirit and and ask Him to give us a lot of light, a lot of peace, a lot of joy. As we pray the classical prayer to the Holy Spirit together. Come Holy Spirit, fill the hearts of your faithful and enkindle within us the fire of your divine love. Send forth your spirit and they shall be created. And thou shalt renew the face of the earth. Let us pray. O God, who did instruct the hearts of your faithful by the light of the Holy Spirit, grant us that by the same Spirit we may be truly wise. Endeavor rejoice in his consolation through the same Christ our Lord. Amen. Glory be to the Father and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit. As it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. Our Lady Fatima, pray for us. St. Joseph, pray for us. St. Michael the Archangel, pray for us. St. Gabriel, pray for us. St. Raphael, pray for us. St. Ignatius of Loyola, pray for us. St. Maria Faustina Kowalska, pray for us. All God's angels and saints, Pray for us. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. So I'd like to welcome you all to our Perseverance Family Conversation. It's great to be with all of you. And as always, I'd like to pray for you, especially in the Holy Sacrifice of the Mass. The Holy Sacrifice of the Mass is by far the greatest of all prayers. So try to place all of your lives on the altar in the Holy Sacrifice of the Mass and your, your actions will have infinite value because they're united to Christ. The perfect sacrifice that was offered to God the Father. So my first intention will be that we would all try to be open to the Holy Spirit. Our sanctification depends on, uh, on being open to the Holy Spirit. Being open to the Holy Spirit. And perhaps we can say this prayer 
Come, Holy Spirit, come. Come, Holy Spirit, come to the heart of Mary. Second, like to place all of you on the altar with your family members. Maria, Lulu, Jeff, Grace, Beatrice, Letty, Sophie, also um, uh, Gerardo, Martha, Maria, a lot of a lot of people that we have in our Perseverance family to place all of you on the altar, but especially especially your family members that God would bless them in a special way. And then I'd like to pray with you. This is always one of my special intentions. I like to pray for the dying. Because you know that, the, as Jesus says, what would it profit if we gain the whole world and we lose our souls? So I like to pray for those who are dying right now that, that they would be saved. that even if they're immersed in deep sin, that they would open up their hearts and beg for mercy, recognizing that the, the greatest of all God's attributes is His infinite mercy. So let's pray that all would open up to, to the mercy of God. God's mercy is infinite. And up to the last moment, we can turn to Christ and say, Lord, I love you. Forgive me. Save me. And the Lord is slow to anger and quick to forgive and infinite in His mercy. So, what I like to do at times is start off with a little catechetical note. The other day I gave a brief catechesis on the sign of the cross that we make the sign of the cross in the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit Amen Now as explained, the sign of the cross is one of the most common symbols of Catholics but we should try to make it well and understand really what it means in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit what we're really doing is we're professing our faith in the greatest of all, the mysteries of the Catholic faith. And that mystery is the mystery of the Blessed Trinity, meaning that we believe we believe in one God and three separate persons, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. We believe in the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. But also we make the sign of the cross we're calling to mind the great love that Christ had for us by dying on the cross for us. Then going from from without to within we by being baptized 
we by being baptized we ha we are transformed into living tabernacles of the blessed trinity wow think about that from being baptized we're transformed into living tabernacles of the blessed trinity living tabernacles of the blessed trinity through baptism through baptism we become sons and daughters of God we become brothers and sisters to Christ the Holy Spirit becomes our intimate friend so today I'd like to just give a brief catechetical note on on the following even though you might be aware of this you might even renew your devotion by what I'm going to say now and use our talks as catechetical lessons I invite all of you to, to send our talks at the end of our talk every day share it with some friends that you have sometimes I notice uh, just clicking it on to the right notice that some of you have many friends uh, some of you have hundreds of friends send our talks to friends that we would have more even more friends online the more the merrier as they say the more the merrier so this would be the catechetical lesson today it's it's the the reality of the genuflection that's right the reality of the of the genuflection what is a genuflection well when we come into church Catholic Church when we are walking in front of the Blessed Sacrament the Tabernacle and it's true in some churches the tabernacle is not central but it's on a side altar in our church of St. Peter Chanel right behind the altar you have the tabernacle and then to the right of the tabernacle would be the vigil lamp pointing to the fact that Christ is present in the tabernacle In a good part of the day, we actually have the monstrance on the altar where people can come and worship the Eucharistic Lord. So whenever you walk in front of the Blessed Sacrament, you should make a genuflection. And how is that done? I would suggest that you put your hands over your heart and with your right knee, your right knee you go all the way down to the ground now if you have back problems or you have difficulty in bending over okay then you can make a reverential bow but if you're healthy enough with your right knee you go all the way down to the ground and then get up historically we go back to the Middle Ages 
If you were to present yourself before a king or a queen, his majesty, then you would bow your knee to the king. In a parallel sense, in a parallel sense, every time we walk in front of the Blessed Sacrament, Jesus is the Lord of Lords and the King of Kings. He's the King of the Universe. Then we should bend our knee. This is our manifestation of our, not only our reverence, but our praise, our worship of Christ. So those are two catechetical brief explanations of the meaning of the sign of the cross. Christ died on the cross for us. The meaning of the Blessed Trinity, the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. The indwelling of the Trinity within us once we're baptized. That's the sign of the cross. And making the genuflection, we are paying tribute Adoring the Lord of Lords and the King of Kings. All right. Let's move then, my friends, from the gospel that we had yesterday to the gospel for today. The gospel we had yesterday to the gospel today. We'll go to the gospel of St. Mark. Just so you're aware that St. Mark's Gospel is the shortest of all the Gospels. According to tradition, Mark was a follower of St. Peter. Mark's Gospel will often have shorter little episodes in the life of Christ, almost kind of like a, a journalistic style. So yesterday... Yesterday's Gospel, I'd like to just summarize that and pull out an idea. Then we'll move into the Gospel for today. Is yesterday's Gospel, I think, touches all of us in one way or another. Is that this uh, Jesus encounters this, this blind man. In manifesting infinite compassion, our Lord takes him aside and he uh, takes some spittle and some mud, places it on the eyes of this man. And then he tells him to open up his eyes and asks him, what does he see? When he opens up his eyes, he sees uh, men, but they look, kind of look like walking trees. Then our Lord, he touches his eyes a second time. He asks him to open the eyes. and he sees clearly. And most likely the first, the first, that, the first that he saw would have been the face, the face of Christ. How beautiful. Saw the joy in the face of Christ because Christ saw that he was able to see and the Lord gave him sight. 
the Lord says, go and, and try not to tell the people in the town because I won't be able to go in. But he can't control himself. Once these men are healed, they're just so joyful, they tell the whole world of what has happened. You know, my friends, I think we all have, I think we all have at times, we can all identify with this man. Is I think we all have, we all have spiritual, moments of spiritual blindness in our lives. Yesterday I spoke about Saint Claude de la Colombière, who is my patron saint. My name is Claude Edward Broom the Third. They pointed out that we should we should all have some type of spiritual direction. We should all have some type some type of spiritual direction. We all have blind spots. For not for the spiritual direction of Saint Claude de la Colombière, Saint Margaret Mary Ella Cook's apparitions of the Sacred Heart of Jesus that we have in our studio, and there we have a picture of Saint Margaret Mary with the Sacred Heart. She would have probably never been believed. So Saint Claude de la Colombier had to give credit, credence to what Margaret Mariella Cook had seen. The same can be applied to Saint Faustina Kowalska and her revelations of divine mercy. She had Blessed Michael Sopochko. What about St. Teresa of Avila had St. John of the Cross as her director. And the great saint, Captain of Siena, had as spiritual director Blessed Raymond of Capua. Now, not all of us are going to have perhaps a spiritual director like John of the Cross or Claude de la Colombière. However, all of us should have some type of spirit, periodic spiritual direction. The program that I set up about 17 years ago, 2006, my 10-week spiritual exercises program, I became aware of the fact that so many people were doing these exercises that it would be impossible for the priests to be the spiritual director to all these people. So we decided, thanks be to God, to send certain individuals, lay people to be lay spiritual directors. So right now in St. Peter's Chanel, we have about 35 lay spiritual directors that are directing lay people under our supervision. Thanks be to God. 
He's probably the parish that has most lay spiritual directors probably in, in, in the country. I consider that to be huge. And my feedback is that those lay people that are be, being directed by these lay spiritual directors are receiving many graces. Many graces. So I just like to point that out to you that all of us should have periodic spiritual direction. And I'll tell you why. If you don't have spiritual direction, you 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 probably start to ascend in your spiritual life, and you hit a plateau where you don't grow anymore. You stagnate. You stagnate. And without a director that's helping you. For example, yesterday I talked to my own spiritual director. I had a good conversation with my own spiritual director who I've had for more than 10 years, this one, a very good spiritual director. And asking him, talking to him about my own, I talked him about my own prayer life, the way you, you would do with your spiritual director, to see if, if I'm on the right path. Because we all have blind spots. We might think that we're on the right path, but maybe we're not. We can all, you know, we can all uh, rationalize. We can all intellectualize. Then they brought to my spiritual director a pretty serious pastoral problem that I didn't, I didn't know how to resolve. And I talked it out with him, and it became clear. It became clear that this pastoral predicament that had to resolve within within two or three days and he gave me great clarity and I had a little bit of desolation before once I was able to talk it out I had greater transparency and clarity in a decision that I, I would have to make it's very important my friends to be humble enough to recognize we don't know everything there's a lot of things that we should seek guidance on and even Thomas Aquinas says, part of prudence is relying upon the expertise of someone that knows more than us. There are many people that know more than us. I can say that honestly in my case. So we have to be humble. Humble and, and, and rely upon God, but also re rely upon human resources, human channels. God can speak to us directly, but often He speaks to us indirectly through persons, also places and circumstances. So we might even do this. We might even ask God, as Jesus healed this blind man, restoring his sight, this could be a prayer that we make. Lord, give me light. Lord, 
take away my blindness. Lord, you are the light of the world. Pull me out of the darkness so that I can see your face. Lord Jesus, I trust in you. Yes, I think that all of you should should find some type of spiritual direction. After we've finished the 10-week spiritual exercises program, people going through there once or, or twice, then and you're you're making your holy hour. You're making your holy hour. And when you rely upon the director, you make your holy hour, then you're going to be talking, you're going to be talking about your relationship with God. We find that if you don't make the daily holy hour, you just come in, you just talk about your problems. And that's, it's not the essence of spiritual direction, but rather your relationship with God. How do you, how do you communicate with God? That's what prayer is. That's what prayer is. So as a sequel to the gospel, is the gospel today. There's a real sequel or follow-up to it. Jesus is now in Caesarea Philippi. He's in Caesarea Philippi. And he's walking with his apostles and he asks the apostles as he asks us this all-important question. It's called the Christological question. And it's this, who am I? Jesus starts off by asking, who do people say that I am? Who do people say that I am? And then the apostles respond, to what they've been hearing about him. And they say that, well, some say you're John the Baptist. Others, one of the prophets of old. Others, Jeremiah. So, what people have been saying about Christ, these are all, these are all opinions. They do not hit the nail on the head. They're all, they're all expressing 
some quality that they see in Christ that seems to be reflecting one of the great men of the past. John the Baptist, who has been put to death. Elijah, who's taken up into heaven in a whirlwind. Jeremiah, or one of the great prophets. They're all making these, expressing these, these opinions. But they're false opinions. And these false opinions were floating around about Christ. And that's even the case for many people today. Many people do not have clarity as to who Christ is. For example, the, Je- the, the Jehovah Witness and the Mormons, they believe in Christ, but they don't believe that Christ is the Son of the living God. They don't believe in Christ as the Son of the living God. So, these false opinions are floating around out, out there. And Jesus stops and looks at his disciples. He asks them, well, who do you say that I am? And one of them speaks, and that is Simon Peter. And he says, you are the Christ. So that moment... Simon Peter was enlightened. He was enlightened by the Holy Spirit. That's right. He was enlightened by the Holy Spirit. You are the Christ. In another passage, Jesus will go on to say, Blessed are you, Simon Bar-Jonah, because blood, flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Heavenly Father. Therefore I call you rock. And on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against you. Whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loose in heaven. That's another gospel. Today, the gospel of St. Mark is shorter And Jesus rather responds in the gospel today not to tell anyone about him. Often in the gospel of St. Mark, Jesus says not to tell anyone about him because the multitude, the multitude would not understand as of yet, who he really was. Now, Peter says, you are, you are the Christ. 
Interesting, very interesting is what's going to follow. And I really believe that we'll be able to apply this to ourselves. When we're reading through the sacred scripture, we should try to summarize in our mind the basic content. And then what I try to do, I give, try to give the interpretation and from the interpretation, the application. So the text, the text itself, I try to paraphrase it, paraphrase it, interpretation and then application. That's what we, that's what we'll be doing today. So it'll be the text, the interpretation and then the application because we want to put into practice what we're meditating upon, what we're commenting. After that, Jesus very clearly he's mentioning what's going to happen to him at the end of his life. That he will be rejected by the elders and the chief priests and the scribes, those who are supposed to be the experts in the Bible, would, be, would reject Christ. Then he spoke about the fact that he would, be, he, he would be killed. But then he says he would rise after three days. So our Lord is already prophesying. He's already prophesying to his friends, the end of his life, and we we call this we call this, my friends, the the Paschal mystery, the Passion, Death, and the eventual resurrection of Christ from the dead. Now we're going to see what's going to happen. Now, all of this is in the same passage, which is Mark chapter 8, 27 to 30, 33, these few verses. So, Peter has been enlightened in which he says, you are the Christ. The Holy Spirit has, been, has enlightened the mind of Peter. Now, when Jesus very openly states his upcoming suffering, his rejection, his painful death, then his resurrection, Peter does something showing his very abrupt, strong character it may surprise some of us. He takes our Lord apart and he starts to rebuke our Lord.
So Jesus is rebuked by Peter. Now Peter, by doing this, our Lord responds by sharply rebuking him and saying, Get, Jesus says, Get behind me, Satan. Get behind me, Satan. Very strong words. Get behind me, Satan, because you are not reasoning the way God does, but as human beings do. I find this passage to be fascinating. Fascinating. Because in the same passage, Peter is enlightened. Peter's enlightened by the Holy Spirit. And then he's going from being open to the inspiration of the Holy Spirit to going down to a human level. And even rebuking Christ himself and our Lord in turn rebukes him back. You're not reasoning according to God's standards but according to human standards. Very interesting. Very interesting. I think that sometimes happens to us. Is that we we have moments in our lives moments in our lives where the Holy Spirit is working on us. And he's enlightening our intellect. He's pouring his Holy Spirit into us. Well, we're becoming docile. We become docile to the workings of the Holy Spirit. There's light, there's insight, there's an illumination, there's enlightenment, there's clarity, there's transparency. It happens to you people, as well as myself. And we should be very humble and thankful for these moments of enlightenment. And we should respond to these lights that God has given to us. I'm sure that many of you today will receive a lot of lights, a lot of insights from the Holy Spirit. A lot of insights from the Holy Spirit. For that reason, we always start off our conversation by praying to Mary Pray to Mary, and then we pray. Then we pray to the Holy Spirit. We pray to Mary, then we pray to the Holy Spirit. But we have to be honest. Sometimes it happens that on the other side of the coin, 
We see this in Simon Peter. That it's not the Holy Spirit that is enlightening us. It is not the Holy Spirit that is enlightening us, but it's the flesh and the human part. We're being guided more by the flesh than by the spirit. That happens. For that reason, going back to what I was saying earlier, it's important that we have proper spiritual direction to be able to discern what's coming from the good spirit and what's coming from the bad spirit. That's right, what's coming from the good spirit and what's coming from the bad spirit. For that reason, St. Ignatius of Loyola, he offers us what are called the 14 rules for discernment. We have these various movements within us. We're called to enter into a discerning process to see these various movements that are working in us constantly. And Nations would say to open up our hearts, open up our hearts to receive the good spirit, but also to reject the bad spirit. I'd like to just talk to you the importance of of having God direct us, but also utilizing the human channel, human channel to to help us in our decisions and in our discernment process. Father Tim Gallagher, a very prominent uh, teacher, preacher, writer on EWTN. He's a prolific writer. One of his earlier books was on the 14 rules for discernment. Which he takes each one of these rules and he explains it clearly, especially by using anecdotes. I'd like to tell you one of them that he recounts in his book. Father Tim talks about St. Therese of Lisieux, the little flower, and her vocation. St. Therese and her vocation felt that she was called to follow God in the religious life when she was very small. She traveled to Rome to talk to Leo XIII to see if she could enter in earlier than normal. So she enters in and she's about to make her perpetual vows. In the religious life we profess our vows then we renew them each year then we arrive at the culmination which we make our perpetual vows of chastity, poverty, and obedience. 
but she was in a she was in a turmoil. She was in a profound state of desolation. She was in darkness. She was in this dense cloud. She's going through this dark tunnel. This was the day before she was to make her perpetual vows as a Carmelite nun in France. Now she used a human channel by which she could arrive at the, the light of truth. She went and she talked with her superior about this state of desolation that she was going through. And it's almost as if this dark cloud that had descended upon her was lifted up. And then she went and she told the novice mistress the same state of soul that she had been experiencing. And what happened was that dark cloud of desolation dissipated and completely disappeared. And she experienced, she experienced a great interior peace and light. We're talking about Saint Therese of Lisieux. Then the following day, with great peace and joy, Saint Therese made her, she professed her perpetual vows, became a Carmelite, perpetually professed nun. Then she went on to live a very holy life. And Saint Therese would be called from this life to the next when she was only 24 years old. She became a saint quick. But what I'm pointing out is for all of us that we all go through difficult times in our lives. What we don't always see with great clarity. Now I've given you the example of Peter and St. Therese, St. Peter was enlightened by the Holy Spirit when Jesus said, Who do you say that I am? Peter said, You're the Christ. You're the Christ. You're the Messiah. But then Jesus speaks about his upcoming passion and Peter rebukes Christ. Then Jesus in turn rebukes him. 
get behind me, Satan. You're not reasoning like God, but according to human beings. So we have in our lives, my friends, these two spirits working within us. We have the good spirit. We have the bad spirit. We have the spirit of darkness, the spirit of light. We have the spirit of the lie, the devil. We have the spirit of truth. There is this constant dynamic within us. And God can speak to us directly. But very often God speaks to us through human channels. God can speak to us directly, but often they'll speak to us through human channels. Through human channels. That's why we mention the importance of having some periodic spiritual direct direction. Periodic spiritual direction. For example, we were talking about this at the table the other day related to St. Claude de la Colombière. How do you know the difference between being in a state of desolation and the state of aridity in your prayer life? Not easy to differentiate. Yes. Desolation and aridity. Aridity is a state of soul where often you're actually being purified and you're growing in your prayer life even though you don't have a lot of sensible consolation that maybe you experienced earlier. St. John of the Cross says, Seek the God of consolations and not the consolations of God. That's St. John of the Cross. I repeat, St. John of the Cross says, Seek the God of consolations and not the consolations of God. So my friends, I think we've had a very good conversation today. Let's pray that God would take away our blindness. We all have blind spots. Let us pray that we would profess with Peter that Christ, that Jesus is the Christ, the living, Christ, Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God, that he, we want him to be the very center of our lives. And then like Peter, that we would not run away from the cross, recognize that the Paschal Mystery, that the Paschal Mystery is the Passion, Death, and the Resurrection of Christ. So my friends, invite you to share our message with many of your friends. You pray for me, and I will pray for you. May Jesus Christ, the Son of the Blessed Virgin Mary, 
be at the very center of your lives. The Lord be with you. May Almighty God bless you. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.